Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 9 for Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? I'm well, man. It's a beautiful day out. Relaxed. I was a little sick before. I'm basically over it. Nice, nice. That's nice. Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, no, I just, I'm good, dude. Well, you know what might push you over the the edge into full full health is the restorative powers of Choriki Sentai Ranger. You know, uh, Choriki does have uh, restorative powers. We've seen this in the past, Matt. This is something we know, and it's something that we're actually going to talk about a little today, I think. Um, but before we get into all of that, Dave, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What? is our first star of the week. So our first star of the week, Matt, is I had, you ever have just like a train of thought that you at first think is brilliant uh-huh. and then you like you round the final corner and you end up in like moron town? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Usually I feel like this happens when I've had some sort of brilliant breakthrough while I'm like dreaming. Yes. Yeah, and I yeah, wake yeah. up so and I think like, oh my gosh, like finally the secrets of the universe. So here is my incredible, here's my incredible idea, Matt. So I was thinking about the, you know, the thing where it's like the six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon or six degrees of separation, right? Like everybody's connected to everybody else by no more than, you know, six relationships, right? Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, man, that's, that's such a cool thing. And I, I just think it's such a, like, I don't know who invented that or who realized it, but I think it's such a cool thing. And I was like, you know, you know what would be neat is you can get your friends to do you favors, right? Like, yeah. hey, like I need a hand with X. Can you give me a hand? Cool. But you can't really ask friends of friends to do you favors. Like that's not a that's not a social thing. But if you could, right? Mm-hmm. That would that would just widen the scope. And you know, you also theoretically would be available to to help people out to do favors for friends of friends, right? Sure. This would widen the scope of available favors that you can ask of people, right? Like, I don't know any mechanics personally that are like pals, but I am sure I have like a friend of a friend who does. So this is my, this is where I'm going with this. And I was like, man, if you could expand that to like the full, you could theoretically kind of be getting in touch with anybody on the planet. Uh-huh. And being like, hey, man, you know, like, uh, like I'm a this person who knows this person who knows this person who knows you. Could you maybe help me out with X? And then I was like, oh, OK, Dave, that's a really that's a really, really good idea. Sure, sure. But, but the problem is, is that, you know, some favors are really valuable. And, you know, like they're really hard. They take a lot of time. And uh, some favors are fairly minor. And I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, in this in this website or whatever, you would need some sort of system to track how how valuable the favors are, right? So if you did someone like one really big favor, then there would be multiple small favors that other people, you know what I mean? Like, right, like you, the, there's a varying degrees of like what people owe each other for that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, precisely. And then, I, and then what I realized, Matt, is I had invented money. 
<laughs> that's just money. That's what money is. It's just, it's just a system whereby we, we track favors. So uh, in my in my brilliance, Matt, I managed to catch up with like ancient Sumeria, and I invented money. Well, you know, listen, you you, you got there in the end, and that's really all that matters. So <laughs> I just it was such a it was such a disheartening experience because like it was so elevating for the first like nine steps of it. I was like, this is really there. My like, I'm not a programmer, but there's something to this idea. Um, well, I mean, and then I rounded that corner. I mean, listen, here's, here's what's good. Is that there is something to that idea. You know, you can feel right. good about that. It turns out it is actually a very good idea. It's yeah, super man. effective. Currency, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, I'm, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all I had. Uh, Matt, what is our... So, if you, if you spend any money today, you can thank an ancient thinker that we'll just call... We'll call Proto-Dave. Yeah. Um, what, Matt, is our second star of the week? Dave, second star of the week is that um, yesterday, um, we all got together. When I say we all, I mean uh, me, our sister, you. Just and everyone Beth. on the planet. Yeah, all of us. Everyone. We all got <laughs> just, together. Just everyone. Uh, at your place, which is surprisingly roomy. I didn't yeah. think everybody would fit. <laughs> uh, it was packed, but we got them in there. Oh, we got together to play D&D. Um, our sort of semi on or semi regular ongoing D and D game, and I know we've talked about it before. We but have. I, I want to sort of touch back on it now because we did something yesterday that was for me a fun experience, but for other people playing the game, well, I a, had a great time. A brand new experience, which is that normally when we've been playing, we've we've encountered dragons. Oh yeah. Um, but this was the first time we had gone through a dungeon. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so, like, yes, yes, yes. Like, until you do both of those things, you've kind of, like, you've only played half of D&D, right? Like, right. D&D is two <laughs> things. Right. It You're is dungeons, the full th- yeah. and it is dragons. And if you haven't gone through a dungeon yet, like, sorry, dude, you've only played D. Yeah, you do have to, you've got to do the whole thing. And we hadn't done one yet, and I... Like, I was like, oh, you know, because, like, the, the adventure that we're doing, because we're doing a pre-written campaign, because we're mm-hmm. all very busy, um, it doesn't really have a lot of like dungeons in it. Like just because we're doing Wrath of the Storm King and it's not like a dungeon oriented adventure. And I hadn't, I think, realized how much I missed dungeons. Yeah, dude. I mean, because also, what if like Beth is playing a rogue and you kind of forget if you haven't been in a dungeon in a while, like, oh, right. A lot of the rogue stuff is like, sneaky and lockpicky and that sort of thing yeah it's it was like the fact that you guys had a rogue was super super helpful yeah um which was great because before that she was like you know a gnome rogue fighting giants which is useful because sneak attack damage is great uh and i just realized that we are getting dangerously close into talking about our D characters yeah that's not territory you ever want to be in um but what was really fun about doing this yesterday was watching people who had never like played through a dungeons and dragons dungeon before, like, watching those gears turn in their head for the first time, like, oh, like, this is how this sort of puzzle works, like, going through your inventory and trying to, like, find tools that have been dropped in earlier parts of the dungeon. Like, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. Like, not only do I love the dungeon part of Dungeons and Dragons, I just really like watching people, like, figure stuff out for the first time, and it was really great. 
Uh, I love a lot also, of jokes about it. Honestly, it was just a fun time that we had yesterday. I, I know. Want to share my life with you, listeners. Uh, I gotta say, I felt. I oh so I don't think I don't know if I mentioned this to you, Matt. That dungeon is not in Wrath of the Storm King. Yeah, you did. So this was okay, a yeah. like a. A custom bit that you put into the game. Yeah, this was a thing uh, that I put into the game, and I felt pretty good about that dungeon. It was good, man. It all worked together very well. The you know the puzzles were clever, and like one sort of led into the other. Yeah, um, we had a blast. The oh man, now the one thing, and I actually had a great experience because, and if you've ever DM'd a game, you will you will know exactly what I'm talking about is I had set things up, okay, very, very quickly. No, never mind. I'm not going to go into it. But the point is, is that, like, I had sort of set up a series of, like, puzzles that the players had to solve, and uh, the final puzzle was supposed to be this big thing, and uh, Matt realized, he's like, wait a minute, couldn't I just solve that with prestidigitation? And I, oh, I had yeah, we, there was like a door that was like it was like a clockwork door that was all covered in like corrosion and junk, and we were supposed to have used like this acid bomb that we had gotten by like putting three other parts of the dungeon all together. Like it was all it all culminated into like this one thing, and we got to the end. I forgot we had the acid bomb, but I remembered that prestidigitation can just like clean stuff. <laughs> so you're like, can I just, can I just clean that thing? And I just couldn't think of a reasonable way to say like, <laughs> no, nah, it doesn't work. Cause like, that's what prestidigitation does. Like it's very clearly does that exact thing. So it's like, oh, well, um, yeah, yeah, that works. So now you guys just have an extra acid bomb. <laughs> hey man, listen, it might come in useful. So, Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure, because I think what's probably going to happen is I'm going to forget that you have the acid bomb, and this is, the, the like, you're just going to bring it out at some point when you, when I, for, like, just like I forgot when you, you had precipitation, right, there's going to be an acid bomb. It's a lot of acid. It's like 15 cubic feet of acid, because they use dust of dryness. Anyways, so, um, man, guys, I know we've said it before, but, like, play some D&D, like, Get some friends together and play Dungeons and Dragons. You do not have to be good at it. There are lots of dun- like you can just buy the dungeon, and it's so much fun. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, that was it. It was a really fun time. Dave, what is our third star of the week? So our third star of the week, Matt, is um. So you and I have a podcast. Yes, it's this one. For and, some time we have. Yeah, and in this podcast we watch Japanese television. You got it. Really, the entire point. And we share our thoughts with you, the listener. The listener, yeah. So our entire show is predicated on experience and experiencing the weirdness uh, that is Japanese television. Sure. So you would think that after all these years, Matt, that I would be, I don't know, inured to it, like on some level. Man, you would think that, wouldn't you? You would think that. But I've just found a new show, Matt. It's on Netflix. And it's called Kantaro, the Sweet-Toothed Salaryman. Okay. Please tell me everything. It's incredible. Here's the premise of Kantaro, the Sweet-Toothed Salaryman. Kantaro is a... uh, He is a businessman, right? And he was formerly like a computer programmer. And he's like really, really smart. And uh, like he's really smart. He's like very good at his job. But Kantaro... 
is obsessed with sweets. Sure. Tracks so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his mother was a dentist. And she, like, never let him have sweets. Uh, and, like, episode nine, he, like, his mother comes to visit and she's, like, inspecting his house for sweets to make sure he doesn't have any. But he, like, puts her to sleep with, like, chamomile tea and lavender candles so that he can eat sweets, like, while she's asleep. And he's, like, sitting on the couch, like, eating them right in her face. It gets very, actually, sort of uncomfortable and, like, vaguely <laughs> edible. Yeah. Um, it also a, sounds like the weird, bad parts of the um, uh, Willy Wonka and the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. With like, yes, yes, yes. Where, like, Christopher Lee was playing Willy Wonka's dad, who was a dentist, in, like, a weird, unnecessary backstory bit. Yeah, it was very strange. But, like, that's the only weird part so far. So what he does is he quits his job. Okay. And he gets so he's, a job. I feel like that is the wrong thing to do in a show called The Sweet Tooth Salary Man. No, 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 no. Sorry. So in the very first episode, he has quit his job, and he has gotten a new job as a sales, as like a traveling salesman. Okay. Like in and around Tokyo. And he has gotten this job specifically so that he's like taken a pay cut. He has taken this job specifically so that as he is like traveling around Tokyo, he can, like, finish his sales visits early and, like, play hooky from work to go visit sweets shops. Okay. And by the way, they mean, like, bakeries, basically. This is not, like, a candy candy thing. It's, like, all confections, okay? And every episode, he goes and he, and he has a blog where, that he updates, and he is called The Sweets Night, all right? Okay. And uh, every episode, like, this is a fictional television show but every place that he visits is shot on location in a real, like, bakery in Tokyo. Oh, okay. Like, like the whole thing is, like, a fictionalized commercial, sort of, for, like, the best bakeries or whatever. But, like, that's not, like, the point. They just, like, wanted to make it real. But, like, what it ends up being is, like, this commercial. So he goes and he eats sweets, and when he eats, first of all, he has a problem. Like he has a very serious, like, psychological addiction to sweets. Like, he, it's so intense, he carries, like, sweetened lip gloss in his pocket, like, just in case. Like, he can't get, he can't like, get a sugar. A yeah. Right. So, every, so when he goes, like, he eats sweets and is, like, transported by eating them to, like, phantasmagorical vistas in which like he interacts and like personifies the various elements of these dishes um it's it's mind-blowing like it's so weird there's a handful of other things like there's a co-worker who we find out like we think she's just trying to investigate him because she's like he's playing hooky and i don't like it it turns out she is also obsessed with sweets and is just looking for, like, a sweets-eating partner. Um, okay. Because he can't tell anybody. Because, like, what he's not supposed to be, like, playing hooky from work. So, like, it's a super-duper secret, and he cannot tell anybody that he is doing this, despite the fact that he has a blog about it. Um, I just, like... And also, like, where we see a lot of, like, Japanese desserts, and, like, man... um. There's like beans in everything. Like they just cannot get enough of those that sweet bean paste. That, that sweet sweet bean. <laughs> they, they just love they just love beans, man. And like I love beans. And there's one dessert and he's like flipping out over it. It's called like uh Mamekan, I think. And it is uh seaweed jelly 
Okay. Yeah, it's seaweed jelly. And at first I was like, oh, they just must be like making gelatin. You know, like gelatin doesn't taste like pig's feet anymore. Like it just kind of tastes like gelatin. But no, like he specifically references at one point the fact that like, ah, oh, this gelatin like still tastes like seaweed. Like it's so amazing. So it's seaweed gelatin. Cool. And, <laughs> and beans. Great. Perfect and then just like, food. And then just like <laughs> sugar syrup. And he's like, this is like the greatest dessert. Like, I can't believe how good it is. And I'm like, man, Japan. Um, like, guys. <laughs> Dude, there, there is nothing, I think, that s- separates culinary cultures more than dessert. Like, there are a lot of different cultures with a lot of different foods. But I feel like I can eat a lot of different cultures, like, meals, but when it comes down to, like, snacks and candies and desserts, like, that is where you over, take dude. a weird left turn sometimes. And, and sometimes you find that le- that left turn is delightful. And sometimes you find that it is filled with seaweed jello. <laughs> <laughs> Just like... But anyways, this show is on Netflix, man. I can't... It's, uh, it's pretty fantastic. And the episodes are short. So, um... Kantaro, the sweet toothed salary man. I've got all sorts of other like drama shows that I'm like really excited to watch. I'm not watching them. I'm just watching Kantaro, the sweet toothed salary man, right now. Uh, speaking of watching things, Matt, what is our fourth star of the week? Dave, our fourth star of the week is a Star War, which I went to go see. Hey, that was good. Thank I you, thank you. Seen it. Um, yeah, I know. Hey, let me listen. You got twins. Um, listen, dude. I love, I love those babies. Uh, and it is the only thing that I am regularly like, kind of like, just like in the tiniest bit sore about. Like, oh, man, I love going to the movies. It's basically impossible. Anyways, um, anyway, this I'm listen. Uh, you know, do not be afraid. I'm not going to talk about Star Wars in any sort of meaningful way um, yeah, that would spoil you know, anything monster. because I know that I'm yeah, like I'm not a, a an unhuman beast. Um, anyway, it was really good, and I liked going to see it. Um, but what I want to talk about is like the experience of going to see it because I went to a 7 p.m. like quote unquote midnight show on Thursday night to go see it. Okay. And I don't know why anyone goes to see a movie at a different time than that. Like 7 p.m. the day before it's supposed to come out is the best time to go see a movie ever, especially if it's a big one. Especially, that makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, like especially if you have um, like a theater in the area where like you know other people that you are familiar with like to go to. Because what happened was, our sister and I went out to go see Star Wars. Um, I ran into like five people that I knew. Nice. The, the movie started at seven, so we got out at like nine thirty. So like when we were all leaving, we we're like, "Oh, hi, friends of ours! Like, let's." cross the street to this bar and go for a drink to talk about Star Wars. And we walked in and we ran into like five other people that we knew who were waiting to go see the 10 o'clock show. So like we all just like hung out and talked about how fun Star Wars is. Not in any sort of, you know, spoilery way because some people haven't seen it yet. Um, And it was wonderful. Like I, I, especially because this is a theater that does the, the the Capitol Theater in Gordon Square in Cleveland. If you are, oh yeah, the place area. is great. Um, the Capitol does like those early release, like minute release shows. But since it's sort of like it's not like a big multiplex, and so it doesn't like sell out and pack up like as quickly as other theaters. So like I bought the tickets for it like that morning, and when I bought it, there were still like a hundred seats left, and like it filled up by the time. 
it was showtime, but like yeah, of course, you know, it's not like you had to buy your tickets like three months in advance because you were going to like the fancy theater with the leather recliners. You just sort of like showed up and found a seat and sat down and enjoyed it. Star Wars, um, and it was super great. Like when we were walking in, I just had this moment of like. Oh, I'm going to see Luke Skywalker do stuff that I've never seen Luke Skywalker do before. Oh like, my gosh, I'm so excited. And like when I put it like that in my mind, it was kind of astonishing because like the idea of going to see a new Star Wars movie is like, exciting. Yeah. But like when yeah, I was yeah, thinking definitely. about like a particular character, like, oh, I have like, like there are a certain like finite number of things that Luke Skywalker has ever done in a movie. And I have seen them all a thousand times. And today I'm going to see new things that Luke Skywalker does in a movie. Um, it felt very good. And I liked seeing it and I want to see it again. Uh, I don't want to talk more about it because, again, like, it just came out. And so I don't want to, like, accidentally stray into things. But, folks, Yeah, I'm sure we will spend at least a few, just maybe a few minutes talking about it, like, once we've seen it. And, like, a little more time has passed. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, go see Star Wars. I mean, if you like Star Wars, don't like torture yourself if you're not a Star Wars guy. Um, anyway, Dave, what is our fifth and final star of the week? Well, you know, Matt, it's a quick one, but it's the star that goes at the top of a tree. Uh, 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 uh. This is our, our last episode before Christmas, so uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Merry um, Christmas, folks. Yeah, and uh, the, the, when the episode comes out, it'll be the second to last day of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Happy Merry Hanukkah. Christmas. Uh, I guess you know, we've got another week till New Year's, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, it's just like a festive season, and I hope it's a great one for you. We, so does Matt, I imagine. Yes, yes I Matt. do. I do. Yeah, no, no. no. I mean, I'm I figured. You. I just didn't want to like speak for you necessarily. No, I man, appreciate just that. Like a great. We hope everything is great for you guys. Um, things are pretty great for us. Yeah, I just got. Uh, I just got the first shipment of Christmas presents that I've purchased delivered to my apartment this morning. Uh, nice. So now I actually have, like, a pile of things to wrap, which is making it feel a lot more Christmassy. Yeah, well, I'm about to be on break, which always makes things feel a lot more Christmassy for this guy. So, nice. yeah, guys, Mary, have a great season. Um, thanks again for listening to the show. Uh, it means a lot to us that you guys dig it and, uh, and you know, tweet at us and, and interact with us that way. And, um, you know, we love doing it, but we love that you that you guys dig it, too. Yeah. So thanks so much. So let's let's get into our Christmas gift to you. Uh, Chorky Sentai O-Ranger, Episode 9, Suddenly a Traitor. Uh, we are going to watch that, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching Episode 9 of Chorky Sentai O-Ranger, and it ruled. This, uh, this might be the best episode yet, I think. I'm fairly oh. confident about saying that. Okay, so we have heard from you all, the listeners, and from, you know, like I've done a modicum uh, of yeah. research on this series outside of that. We um, don't want to do, we never want to do too much research. There's a kind of an image. I think a certain dashing panache we want to preserve. Yeah, we want to stay on brand. Um, but there, what we know about O-Ranger is that it was originally conceived as a more serious sort of like gritty show, like like the very old ones, um, and also like Jetman from, you know, like uh, if you only sort of know the Sentai that we've talked about. Um, but <clears throat> at some point after the first like eight or so episodes had been written, um, some bad stuff went down in Japan. There was like a, there was like a, 
some sort of like domestic like a, terrorist attack yeah. and there was a tsunami and like the economy wasn't doing great. Um, and so the show decided that it was going to sort of take a turn for the lighter so as to not like put a bunch of extra like gloom into yeah. an otherwise sort of already gloomy scenario a uh, year. And so it changed and became a lot more sort of goofy and lighthearted. And this has always been presented to me as a bad thing for the series. Like, it was going to be good and raw in the way that it was in these first couple of episodes, which, don't get me wrong, I loved. Um, like, I think we are on record as liking those sort of first, like, very intense episodes. Um, but if the lighthearted, goofy episodes that we are going to get throughout the season are anything like this one... Uh, like, then, sign me up. Holy yes, crap. 100%. This episode rules. So um, the, so let's start. First of all, they have... Yeah, I was up, just going to say. They've updated the opening sequence now to include the Oranger Robo. Yes, which I think is cool. Um, yeah, I just like to see it. So anyways, the episode starts with uh, Judy and Momo, and they are... They're just shopping. Yes. Just shopping, uh, just having a nice time. Momo and, asks if it's okay that they... Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. Momo asks if it's okay that they're not currently on base, like preparing for an attack. Jury says, oh yeah, it's fine. Now that we have the O-Ranger Robo, which is completely invincible, um, no one is going to bother attacking us. That's like a good form of deterrent. We can have the afternoon off. Does that sound yeah, familiar to you? Because that's I was literally say, the I, way the last episode started. Um, oh, I was actually laughing because they're playing hooky from work, which is like the entire premise of Kantara, the sweet tooth salary man. <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, they are just like, they're playing hooky and they're like, uh, Momo says like, well, yeah, like, I, I guess that's okay that. And Trey says, listen, we are women in our prime. We need to look good so we can attract men. Jury is strong and confident. She knows what she wants out of life, and she knows how to get it. Good yeah. to you, Jury. Uh, there is a dress in this store that is just covered in a big print that just says Mickey Mouse over and over. Love it. Uh, then we are treated to a quick fashion show. Yes. Uh, in it, there is a brief moment where Momo wears the tightest shirt I have ever seen outside of an early 90s X-Men comic. Yeah. Holy crap. Like that, I, did um... not, I don't know how it is possible to get into a shirt that tight. It was like, most of the outfits are like fun and, you know, they're just like fun outfits. Like that outfit, because she's, it was like paired with booty shorts or something. I was like, that outfit does not seem appropriate for children's television, Momo. <laughs> uh, but eventually, and it's, there is a fun moment where they're both in like changing rooms and like one will open the curtain to show which outfit they're wearing and close it. And then the other one opens the curtain to show what outfit they're wearing. And it just sort of goes back and forth in like an outfit montage. Yes. So, and then Jury says, she opens the curtain. She says, I have found the dress that I will, cho I will choose. And Momo says, she's still behind the curtain. She says, me too. And she flings the curtain aside. And horror of horrors, they are wearing the same dress. Oh, no. Now, normally we want your language on this show, but there's no other way to say it. Jory drops like the coldest bitch shade I have ever seen, <laughs> maybe on broadcast television. She <laughs> she just looks at Momo and she says, 
it's so terrible to have no self-awareness. Like, not... Sorry, she doesn't look at Momo when she says this. She just announces this to the universe. Like, <laughs> how sad when a person doesn't have any self-awareness. Then she turns to Momo and she says, listen, you need curves for a dress like this. And oh, it well, is a... Know, just, it is a sort of like short red dress with a black belt and sort of like three-quarter length sleeves. Yeah. Sort of a scoop neck. Yeah, and she's like, you need curves for a dress like this. And why you're just so petite, uh, which I think normally is a compliment, but like you can tell it, it she just, it's super cold. And then Moas is like, well, yeah, but you wouldn't want to be an old lady wearing a dress like this. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I really was expecting like them to both hench in and just throw down. Uh, I'm actually a little disappointed that we didn't get that. So they look at each other. They're both furious. And we get like animated laser beams shooting out of their eyes at each other. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Like it go. It has this sort of like back and forth flashing between them and like anime drawings of them staring each other down for like brief seconds. That's fantastic. I'm sorry. Um, manga drawings. Anime is animated. That's yeah. part of the name. I, anyway. I was there with you, Matthew. Uh, so anyways, and then there was an, an explosion. I was like, wow, that escalated very quickly. But it turns out <laughs> it's not them. Yeah. Uh, uh, the this, this city is being attacked by yeah. the coolest dude from the Machine Empire, Barra Darts. Yeah. So Barra Darts is like a guy who, okay, um, it looks as though his like shoulders, he's like just got like, a bodysuit. But his, like, shoulders and arms are, like, a scorpion. And the rest of this, like, so his hands are, like, the scorpion pinchers. And his head is, like, a robot scorpion head. And then the rest of the scorpion is, like, behind him. But the tail is, like, curling up around him. It is, like, over his head. And he could use it to shoot things. Okay. Yeah. And the the tip of the tail is filled with, like, a bunch of poison darts. Um, He also has a monocle. And he has, like, sort of, like, wire bits coming out of the front of his face that make it look like he has sort of a curly mustache. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. So, the the girls aren't there yet. It's the three guys show up. So, it's, um, so, Goro, Yuji, and Shohei. They show up, and they're like, Bara darts, like, who are you? Like, stop destroying the city. And he says, wait, stop. Before we fight, check out my amazing sharpshooting. And he turns, and some Barra soldiers, like, come out onto the balcony, and they each have apples on their heads. Yes, they do. And he shoots all three apples at once with the darts from his tail. It's very good. Uh, I think it's very good. Shohei also thinks it's very good. Shohei starts starts applauding. (laughs) And Yuji's like, "Don't, don't applaud for this guy. What are you doing? Stop that. And they're like, all right, that's it. Now we're fighting. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Let me show you one more thing. Let me show you one more trick. And then three more Barra soldiers pop out, and they all have fans. And the fans have the faces of the rangers on them. And then Barra darts, turns to the fans, and, like, we see the rangers. And they are also looking at the fans. And then Barra darts just turns and just shoots the rangers while they're distracted by the fans. It's an amazing moment. I lost it. Like, that's brilliant. What an amazing plan. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a stupid plan because there's no reason it should work on a group of like adults who have been sent there to fight you as part of their job, but it does work perfectly. And I, I was love gonna it. say, man, uh, if it looks stupid, but it works, it ain't stupid. Uh, so they, they just go down. <laughs> like, that's it. 
the jury, Yuri, sorry, Jury and Momo arrive, and as the guys are like writhing on the ground, Jury has some sort of like high tech grenade, like explosive that she just hucks at Para darts, and they escape. Okay, See, I I love this because I am now going to like head cannon that every single time the O Rangers get away in a scene in which they otherwise should not be able to get away, it's just because Jury is throwing grenades at people. Like we don't always see it. But it's always happening. But it's always happening. Just so many grenades. Yeah, that's really good, Matt. I accept that. So what? Uh, the next thing we see is they're in the base. And the guys are in some sort of like medical containment, like hyperbaric chamber, you know, like super science medicine thing. Right. And the chief looks at it and he says, they are starting to rust over, which... Which, first of all, I think Bobo says, like, that's impossible. That's not how that works. And Chief is like, yeah, well, you know, machine poison. Like, yeah, so that's, like, then that's all we get. Machine poison. Um, Momo is like, oh, no, this never would have happened if we hadn't been out shopping. And I want to take a moment on this because I feel like that is the wrong lesson to be putting out here. Because it never would have happened if they hadn't been, like, playing hooky from work. But saying it... But- in that but way, mostly. like, oh no, like, if if we ladies hadn't been out shopping, this never would have happened. Puts it in, like, a very... It does not put it in the right light, and it makes it sound like them enjoying shopping is the problem, as opposed to, like, not being at work on time. Yeah, which, first of all, um, I'm pretty sure it absolutely would have happened, because they weren't patrolling with the guys. And more importantly, let me say... It also would have not have happened if the guys had not been distracted by the very obvious monster doing, like, fun <laughs> sharpshooting tricks for that. Right. Like, Shohei was That's applauding like, for the dude. Yeah, that is, like, the... Pr- <laughs> That's the primary problem here. Yes. But in any case, Chief says, like, listen, we don't have time to deal with your women feelings because this show is not very good about... You know, it sucks because... I, Momo and Jury rule, right? Like, they're very yeah, they're good. Awesome. And I'm so glad to have, like, a, like, more sort of parody between the team now where there's, like, there are two women on the team this year uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to last year where we only had one, although she was great. Um, but in every opportunity they have, O-Ranger really does not do right by characters that otherwise, like, they write the characters to be very cool. Yeah, it's like a it is a very kind of strange dichotomy, uh, and I'm hoping it's something that we work past because Momo and and uh, Jury are pretty fantastic. Um, but he says, "Listen, we don't have time to deal with this. They will rust over in six hours. We need you to find a solution to this." So we get a brief digression to the moon where we see Emperor Bacchus Wrath, and he says, "This is a great plan." He says, "We can't beat Orobo. We know that. Yeah, at least right now." He doesn't say that. That's just in my head. He says, we can't beat O-Robo, but if we can take out the Rangers in Ranger, like in their just human bodies, there's going to be nobody to pilot O-Robo. So we'll win, which yeah. I love. Okay, Matt, I want to be real. I, okay, first of all, Bacchus Wrath looks really dumb. He's, he's, a, he's a, I'm not a fan of the character design. He, he's like, growing on me. As a character, as like the leader of the Machine Empire... Bacchus Wrath is pretty rad, actually. Yeah, dude. Like, he seems to be like an 
you can tell that he is the the is the emperor of a machine empire in in a pretty intense way. Like he definitely seems to be the most like thinking, planning uh, of all the big monsters that we've had so far. So I'm I'm a pretty I'm pretty into him so far. So um, we go back from there, and it's just Baradarts going crazy. Just blowing stuff up. Like rusting everything over. Yeah, just rusting everything with his poison darts. Um, so the jury and uh, Momo show up, and they're yelling at Baradarts. So like, return our friends to normal. And he's like, no, I'm, no, I'm not. I won't do that. Um, but he says, but it is possible. You could turn them back to normal if you have the antidote. And here's the antidote. And he like like a slot opens in his chest and he like pulls it out. And he says, here's the antidote. I have it. And, and then it, he puts it back. And it looks like a, like a sort of like a tiny silver football. Yeah. Which is a weird, like, so why he, I don't know why he tells them that he has this, but he does. Uh, so they henshin and they go to fight. And Baradart wins pretty handily. Yeah. They have um, a fight sort of like as they're going downstairs, which seems like yeah, a very, some, it's like a very dangerous stunt for the TV show to be doing. It was, but it was some really neat choreography. They're, like, jumping around and, like, rolling downstairs and stuff. It's pretty cool. There is a trick shot where um, Momo is rolling down the stairs, and as she is rolling down the stairs, she, like, untransforms. Yes. But the camera never cuts away from it, and I genuinely, like, could not see the seam of where, like, the camera cut from, like, someone in a costume to someone not in a costume. Yeah, they did a great job. Um, man, I just like... Normally, of course, we we do just kind of like watch the show, but I get a kick out of like relative to like how long they have to produce these episodes. Like they do some really, really uh, slick stuff with a lot of the effects in this show. So we do see something is that uh, Barra darts like pulls like a cord out of his side. It has like a dagger on it or something. And he stabs Jury, and she gets electrocuted. So he also has some sort of like electrical power that we we don't really see, but he's it's there. So Momo changes uh, back to a human form, and Jury surrenders. Yeah, she says like, "Listen, um, you are clearly stronger than the two of us. You've already beaten the guys. Um, I surrender. I like I'll do anything you want. Spare my life. I'll even join you." Like, there's so many things in my life I haven't done. I've never even eaten fugu, like, which I did not know what it was until it comes back later in the episode. Oh, yeah, it's the poison fish. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, uh, I like I am now on Team Baradart. Yeah, and so Baradart's like, really? Um, okay, if you're so, like, keen to, to join up with Team Baradart's destroy O-Pink, and she just says, all right. And she just turns and, like, starts marching over. Uh, Momo runs. And Jury's like, I'm going to chase after her, presumably. But Baradart says, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't chase her. Like, I'm, I'm, I believe you. And uh, she'll come back. She'll come back for the antidote later. And, like, we'll just kill her then. Yeah. So we go back from to the base. And the guys are sort of, like, flipping out. Like, writhing in mm-hmm. agony. Because yep. uh, they are rusting. Which, I, you know, I, that makes sense to me. Uh, Momo is not the furious. Rusting, the writhing. Sure. Momo is furious. Uh, she will not forgive Jury. Yeah. If she's truly betrayed them. Yes. Uh, and there are, only, there are only three hours left until yeah. the guys are completely rusted over forever. So we go back to town. We could get a quick scene. And is Jury kneeling? He says, do you swear your loyalty to me? And she like old school, like medieval style. She like kneels and kisses his hand. 
Yeah, like there is no <laughs> ring for her to kiss, but like that's ba- that's what she's doing. Uh, yeah. And what is great is that he does not tell her to swear loyalty to the Machine Empire. He's like, oh no, you guys swear loyalty to Vera Darts. Right. <laughs> I did really like that. Um, it's like, do you have some, you got a secret plan there, Vera Darts? Are there wheels, wheels within wheels? Within co- cogs within cogs, I guess, in the uh-huh. case of Vera Darts. Yeah. Um, so she rolls out to find O-Pink. So I guess now he does want her to go find him. Uh, find her. So she rolls out to go find O-Pink. Bacchus Wrath, we flip back and we see him, and he is in some sort of communication with Baradarts, and he's like, listen, Baradarts, I love what you're doing. I'm a big part of every part of this plan, but don't let your guard down. The women are treacherous. The, Can't the, trust the, them. The creature known as woman is deceitful, right. is what he it's says. deceitful. Um, Hysteria hears him. <laughs> she like walks up behind him. She's like, excuse me? What was that now? <laughs> <laughs> and he feels like, great, like, what? Oh, dear. Nothing. I didn't. Mm, no, never mind. I was just I was just goofing with the fellas. You know how it is. <laughs> By the way, have yeah. we... Uh, in, on the same uh, point that we were talking about late, earlier, about how this show does not have, like great um, relationships with women. Have we talked about how bogus it is that she is named Empress Hysteria? Yeah, that's not... That's not cool. Yeah. I, I feel like it's... It's one of those things that I have meant to mention in, like, every episode, but we never get around to it. Uh, yeah, no, that's... That's what that that's a pretty loaded term and probably not a great name for your, <laughs> like, evil empress. <laughs> um, yeah. Um... Anyway, so, I don't even. Yeah, yeah, like that's a whole big weird ball of wax. Um, uh, so the, we we not to dwell too much on that, but so we're gonna cut back down, and Momo is driving around town in her motorcycle trying to find Baradarts. Yes, and uh, she does not find Baradarts, but what does happen is that Jury finds her, and well, we assume it's Jury, and it in fact is. It's and she's wearing like head to toe bicycle like black leathers with like a, a black helmet. And she shoots her with, like, a machine gun or something. And so Momo goes flying. She lands. She looks over. And Juri takes off the helmet. So it's we, she, we can see that it's her. And then she, like, Kaku Ranger style, like, tears the leathers away. And reveals that underneath the leathers, she is wearing the dress. Ah, uh, yes. So she is wearing the dress. And the first thing that she says is... Admit that it looks better on me. Like, just, you, just, just admit it. And Momo basically says, like, never. I'll never admit that dress looks better on you. So they kind of square up, and they start fighting. And Jury is doing, I just want to say, Jury is doing a really impressive job fighting in that dress. Because it does not look like it is designed for action. No, especially because Jury's whole deal is, like, doing high kicks. Yeah, there are a couple of like quick fan service moments in there. I think just inevitably because yeah, there this are. dress is not designed for that. But um, so um so they're fighting. There's some smack talk going on about like who looks better and juries old and all of this stuff. Uh, Darts is off in the side and he is loving the show. Yeah, he's he, like, who like, knew it could be so fun to watch humans murder each other. Which I feel like a lot of people in the Machine Empire would have been able to tell him. That seems like... I mean, that's kind of their thing. Um, yeah. So eventually, Jury gets Momo in like a 
like a headlock or not. Yeah, like there's some good fight. Like Momo gives her the Buddha palm, and oh then sure, like they do some other stuff. Um, but yeah, so she gets Momo in a headlock, and he's and she's like, okay, Barra darts. Like I've, I'm holding her, hit her with the dart. Like you got yeah. this. But the so, last second, as the dart is flying in, she sort of like drops Momo, lets her go, and the dart hits Jury instead. And it is hung in the air in front of her by a pretty visible fishing line. Yeah, I'm not... There was a weird way to do that. Um, so like we said, sometimes they do some great stuff with practical effects. Sometimes not as great. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't have that much time to make these episodes. So... So this is incredible. Like, we are about to start, like, a twisty-turny plot exposition um, that I just cannot get enough of. So, she says, oh my gosh, Barra Darts, something has gone wrong. Like, I'm, I'm going to die, please give me the antidote. Barra Darts says, yes, of course, like, my loyal servant. And he, like, pulls the antidote out of his chest and, like, throws it to her. Jory says, ha, sucker. And she, like, and that, we don't see how she would have conceivably pulled it out because this is all, this dress is like one piece of, like, stretchy fabric, but she is holding a piece of metal in front of her. And so, which there is no, there is no possible way that she was hiding this piece of metal under this dress. But this no. is what we are told is true. But she has, like, the good, the bad, and the uglied him. Uh, or alternately, uh, Back to the Future 3'd him. Yeah, either one works. And so she says, there was a metal plate. You idiot. Like, now I've got the antidote and I can help my friends. And Momo says, like, wait, you never betrayed us? And Jory says, no, of course I, I never betrayed you. You believe me, right? And Momo says, like, of course, of course. No, yeah, no, sure, never. fine. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, Momo, Jury, I feel like you guys... You know, should just like maybe talk to a third party. Clearly, there's like underlying levels of distrust there, but you know that's a that's a thing for another time. So, so okay, so then that's Barra, the first twist, right? Then here's twist number two. Barra darts is like, haha, you're the idiot because actually that's not the antidote. Like, like I wasn't fooled at all, and like that's actually a bomb, and it explodes. So he has. So he has the real antidote. Okay. So then the guys run in from like off camera. Right. Like we see that. Twist run number in. three. Twist number three. The guys run in. And Momo says like, it doesn't even matter. Like we were just messing with you because the chief developed his own antidote and he healed the other rangers already. Baradarts is so furious that this is the case, that he just hurls the antidote at them. I don't know why. Like, I don't know what that was meant to accomplish. Yeah. I, I, but you know, he does. He's, he's not thinking straight. He's all, right. he's all riled up. Um, and he turns and he shoots darts at the, at the three guys. Which, next twist, pass right through them. Because they were holograms. Yes. We turn back to Momo, who is holding, like, a hologram generator. And she's like, ha, we got you again. <laughs> she's like, we didn't know how to solve it. We did actually need the antidote, and now we've got it. So <laughs> It's so very that, good. Oh, my gosh. Like, that that's some Kaku Ranger level. Uh, yeah. So 
then they they kind of play like it's a very weird interlude because they basically play football with the antidote. Yeah, remember how I said earlier that the antidote is shaped like a small silver football? Like, Jury and Momo square off against Acha and Kocha and a bunch of Barra soldiers to, like, run the ball through the defenses to get away. And um, they, like, but they really re- lean into it. Like, they are talking about, they're like, yes, I'm the most valuable player. And I, I just, like... Uh, at some point, either Acha or Kocha, whichever is the big one, and I swear I will remember eventually, um, catches the ball and is running away from them. He's like, yes, I'm the most valuable player. I'm so good at this game. I'm saving the day. And then he hears off to the side, like, here, pass it here. And he just throws it. And then he looks over, and he has accidentally just thrown it right to Momo, who is already on her motorcycle. Yeah, um... Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And then she like, just drives away, and Jury's like, okay, I will stay to, like, stop them from following you. Yeah, okay, this is a very weird thing, because, like, she's driving away on, like, the bike lane in a park. And Jury steps over the bushes that are, like, next to the bike lane and, like, puts her hands out on the bike lane and says, like, I will stop everyone from following as though it's like a tunnel, as though she is like standing guard at Thermopylae. <laughs> and there is just like, guys, you could just go around. There's like 50 of you. Um, but this, but they, they don't. So Momo arrives at base with the antidote. She administers it, but it's too late. It's too late. It yeah, doesn't she, seem like it works. She looks up at the clock and it's like eight minutes after the six hour time limit. Yeah, and uh, she does refer... This is something uh, we actually haven't mentioned before, but I really, really dig it, is that nobody refers to Goro as Goro, except, I think, the chief. Everybody, like, the other rangers all refer to him as captain. And I think it's like a... I just think it's a cool touch, and I think it sort of sets the... It sets the stage a little bit, because the relationship, you know, it's definitely friendly, and I imagine they will get, like, more closely bonded as, like, the episode... Uh, season continues. Yeah. But, like, they're very definitely, like, members of a military organization. And the four other rangers are, like, a little bit more cash with each other. But Goro is always the captain. And I think yeah. that's a really cool uh, story touch. So, we go from there back to the fight. And they're fighting and fighting. And Jury's uh, doing yeoman's work. But it's just, like, it's just too much. Like, all the bar soldiers and bar darts, like, she just can't do it. So she hits the dirt. And Bara Darts is like, that's it. And he shoots a Bara a dart at her. And then, from out of nowhere, an arrow hits the dart before it hits Jury. We turn away, and we see Momo with a bow and arrow and quiver. Like, aw, yeah. Like, you think you were good at sharpshooting? I am apparently also super good at it. Well, I just... She's got a shield she could have thrown. They all have laser blasters they could have used. But we have never seen anything about Momo being, like, an astonishingly, superhumanly good archer before now. It it must be a callback to the earlier, like, William Tell, like, sharpshooting bits in the episode. I mean, yeah, I guess. 
outcasts. I don't know. I mean, listen, I do agree with you that there were a lot of other ways they could have gone without introducing like a totally random element. But I will say that the cut away to Momo with the... Because it's not like... It's a great visual. She looks very, very cool. Because this is not a prop bow and arrow, right? This is not like a Choriki bow shooting like laser arrows. This is just like a regular compound bow. And she's just got like a bunch of arrows and a quiver hanging on her back. Like it's a very cool visual. Yeah. So because um, the sun they, is kind of setting behind her. They uh, so they get back into the zero. So now we're back into the fight, and uh, Barra Darts can apparently just shoot a giant lightning bolt from his tail, uh, which it seems like yeah. it's weird. We haven't seen that one yet. Oh, that Dave, Dave, I think we forgot like it to mention been his something. Leading move. Because um, when Momo shows up, she has the other three with her who are all fine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I totally <laughs> forgot about this. So, okay. So, remember when she walked in and the clock was like 8, 10 after, like how much time they had? It turns out that the chief, unbeknownst to any of them, had moved the clock ahead 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Because he wanted to, like, give them further motivation to hurry. And so when she was 10 minutes late, she was actually right on time. <laughs> uh, and we see when she says that he did this, we cut back and we see the chief standing. On, he, we see the chief and he like moves the clock back and then he stands and like mugs into the camera and gives it a big thumbs up. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> um, so then we get a fight. Um, it's a pretty good fight. We do get to see the Rangers individual like hand weapons, which... Uh, Man, I really dig those, and I wish we we got a little bit more. Uh, we got a little bit more of those. Uh, Jury and Momo do like a jumping attack at Barra Darts. He shoots a bunch of darts at her. Momo, of course, has a shield, so she just blocks them. Jury like takes her nunchucks and swings them around in front of her, like uh, like helicopter blades or whirl. Yeah, you know, Jury is so rad. It just like knocks them all out of the air as she's like flying towards him head first. It's, it's super good. Dude, Jury is, is friggin' sweet. Um, like, I just cannot get over how into her I am. She's super rad. Uh, Goro so, wrecks him with, like, an, a, a finishing move that he has with the Star Riser that we haven't seen before. Yeah, like Star Rising Crash? Is that what? No, no, no. Uh, Churiki Riser is what it was called. Thank you. Churiki Riser. So, he, Barodars goes down, and Katja and Ocha do their weird, like, hammer throw, like, v- grow vitamins thing which i genuinely love because they were just literally hiding in the bushes yeah and so we talked about this last episode like are achi and kocha just going to be hiding in the bushes like literally every episode and it seems like the answer is just yes thank you just thank you arranger for this gift <laughs> um so he goes giant now this is a tiny bit weird to me um not that like the monsters don't always go giant and don't always fight the giant robot but the only the thing that's strange about this to me is that baranoia has already basically admitted that they can't beat O-Robo. Like, we know like we know that they are aware of the fact that they can't beat O-Robo. Um, like, in the show, like, Bacchus Wrath has said this. So, I, like, the only thing that makes sense to me is that Bacchus Wrath maybe is, like, withholding this information from the rest of the Bara Empire, like, Bara monsters, and is knowingly sending them to their deaths just to, like, gather data. On O-Robo's capacities. Right. And, you know, th- I think what he's hoping is that, the, that they're going to be able to defeat them, like, when they're small. But once they've been defeated when they're small, there's kind of no reason to not grow them. 
Yeah, like just kind of see. And actually, I don't think they haven't said that that is the case. That like that's what Bacchus Wrath is doing. But it makes a ton of sense to me, and it fits with his characters. I'm I'm going with it. Yeah. So um, Darts actually gets a couple of shots in. Okay, like he you know he like electrocutes him and he does some other stuff. And then uh, we get two of the special attacks. We get Dogu Vulcan. Yes. Which is uh, Momo's. And so they do like the Vulcan shot, which is like the two blasters on the side of the head. And then a, what do they call it? Vulcan kick? Oh, no. This right? is this is Jury's, not Momo's. Oh, I'm sorry. Jury's. And they do Vulcan kick, which is just like a flying kick. It's kind of boring. I don't know. Vulcan sky kick. Or sky, sky, kick, sky sorry. kick. Yeah. They sort of, it's one of those, like he just sticks his foot out and like, they put it on wires and just sort of gently swing it at the monster. <laughs> and then we flip out and we get the Moa loader head, Moa cannon. And they lead with Moa tornado, which is just O-Robo like spinning around and pink energy swirls around him. And, and that hurts the monster somehow. Which is cool. Oh, I did. <laughs> so in my notes, it's, you know, it's obviously it's O-Robo mm-hmm. because they're O-Rangers. But in the notes, it always just looks like they're saying, like, oh, Robo. <laughs> so, uh, and then they flip back to Phoenix Head, and they do the Crown Sword, and then Crown Final Crash, which is their, like, super slicey move that all the Rangers have, like, yeah. across all shows for all time. And then uh, that's game. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Art Arts goes down. We, we cut back to later that day or the next day or whatever, and they, they are... Uh, Momo and Jerry are back in the same shopping center, and they're looking at clothes and so forth. The camera pans over, and all three of the guys are also there, and they are holding a bunch of boxes of things that the women have already purchased. Yes. And, <laughs> and we see uh, Shohei, like, with his wallet out, and he's, like, like, kind of rifling through it and very sadly realizing that it's empty. And turns out that the ladies have insisted, they're like, well, we basically did everything, and we saved you, so you're taking us shopping, and it's only fair, and you're buying us all a bunch of nice clothes, and then, then afterwards, you are taking us out for fugu. Because we've never eaten it, and now is the time. Yeah. And like, uh, I think it's either Garo or Yuji, like, tries to run away. It's like, oh, yeah. I just remembered a different appointment. Sorry, I gotta go. And uh, they do not. they do not buy that, so... Uh, and that is the end of the episode. Yes. It's, I Man, love it. that was a really, really good episode. Uh, but it is not the end of our episode, Dave, because now yeah. it is time for us to determine how well uh, Baradart's fares in the Creature Royale. Uh, you know, I feel pretty good about Baradart's man. I think he's got, first of all, he's got a really, really cool look. Yeah. Uh, he's got a cool look. He doesn't have much of, like, a plan necessarily like his plan is basically just to like take the take the rangers out but he's got a cool Um, look he's got cool abilities he's got great style definitely has great style Uh, he did that bit where he like faked out the rangers and just shot them with poison darts while they were busy looking at his impressive sharpshooting that is that's huge for me um so i'm definitely thinking top half of the list so the very the lowest person on the top half of the list, Matt, is Pachinko Master. Okay, better so than that. Would, yeah, definitely better than that. So just as like a point of reference, um, Bara Crusher and Bara Brain are slots forty and forty-one, and uh, right above them is Saragami the Ninja Monkey, Bimbogami, and uh, Amukata the Football Centipede. 
at slots uh, 38, 39, and 40, or 37, 38, and 39, respectively. So I I don't know that I would put, and then Bara Cactus is our highest ranking Bara monster so far at slot number 20. Okay. I definitely would not put Bara Darts above Bara Cactus. Okay. Would you put him above Bara Crusher? I I think so, yeah. Okay, so let's look at above Bara Crusher, because right above that we have Omukade, the football centipede that is also sometimes Santa Claus. Yes. Now the fact that he's almost also I'm sorry, the fact that he's also sometimes Santa Claus gives him a lot of points. But I feel like yeah. eventually he, that can't carry him forever. No, no. Now, this is can. our Christmas episode, so I do feel bad about saying that a weird scorpion man um, with William Tell accuracy is better than Santa Claus, but I don't feel bad saying that he's better than a uh, football-themed centipede monster or a centipede-themed football monster, depending on how you want to throw yeah. that. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's a tomato-tomato, I think, sort of situation. So let's kind of jump up, man. Is he, let's just throw it out there, your perennial favorite, Matt, is he cooler than Lipstick Songstress? Man, okay, no, because Lipstick Songstress has, like, a death chorus of women who she has, like, mind-controlled into singing a, like, song which murders the Die Rangers. Yeah, no, that's pretty... I'm fine with that. I just, you know. So... Uh, below I'm that is s- Iron Mask Choryu, the Darth Vader of... Darth Die Vader Ranger. of Die Ranger. And then Meteor Bem. So, I'm thinking... You know, I, I think I do like Bara Darts better than Omukata the Football Centipede. Okay. Um, I think I actually like him better than Binbogami, the the poor, the wealth-manipulating yokai. Yes. I hate that guy. But I, I mean, he's yeah. a great monster, but I hate him on sort of like an existential level. Right. Uh, I don't think I like him better than Saragami the Ninja Monkey. Okay, uh, I think that is a good spot for him. That puts him at the new number 38 on our list. Yeah. And that, Matt, actually is going to do it. Yes, sir. That is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. Um, I don't always respond to those because I am bad at remembering to do it, but I do always read them and I always appreciate getting them. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, see what we're talking about there, get updates on new episodes, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that uh, Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. That's going to help new people find it. Um, the Retrograde Orbit Radio produces the show. Uh, if you would like to uh, hear any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, this has been the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. <laughs>